Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Welcome back for another episode of the Fifth and Last podcast. And Brock, what a weekend of rugby league! Yeah, it was another good weekend. Um, plenty of things to talk about, so um, looking forward to it. Yeah, well, obviously, in this episode, we spoke last week that we we're going to be having Nick Tedeschi back on, so he will be joining us very shortly. But just a few points to run through that have come out from the weekend. Billy Slater took the early guilty plea after his shot on Antonio Winnerstein, so he will be free to play in this week's grand final rematch against the Bulldogs. Brock, do you think that was a good idea to take the early guilty plea? Yeah, it probably was. I think he got off lightly on in terms of the uh, the hit. It wasn't a pretty hit. He uh, really give it to Winnerstein off the ball. Um, I probably thought he, he should have got more than what he, what he got, but uh, that's all history now, and it was a smart move to take the early guilty plea. Obviously, he's now going to have carryover points. Um, to carry into the back end of the season. So it may become a concern later in the year if um, if he does get a suspension uh, in finals or origin time. Yeah, well, moving on from that, leading into that grand final game, the possible return of Ben Barber. It's imminent. They're speaking of a return for the Rabbitohs game at Melbourne, so they're preparing for him this week. I think that's probably not a bad idea. Oh, well, wouldn't you? You don't know when he's going to return. He's obviously back at training, so there's no reason why he, he won't play this weekend. It'll just be whether... Uh, the club allows him, and whether Des Hasler's comfortable with him coming back into the team with the limited amount of training he's done, obviously, in the last month. Well, obviously, they're talking about the return of Cassiano and Pritchard being imminent as well. I think that still won't be this week, but what a cracker of a game it would be if they all got back for this week. Yeah, well, it's disappointing that uh, the Doggies aren't going to have a full-strength team to, uh, to head into the grand final replay, um, but, you know, that's footy, I guess. Well, another small point, nothing that we have too much info on just yet, but maybe Mr Gossett will enlighten us a little more later on. Shane Flanagan has been rumoured to be linked to the Dragons job. So that's uh, pretty big news. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a good well, idea? I, I don't think he should have been stood down from the Cronulla job because we haven't heard anything solid in terms of why he was stood down from that. Um, obviously now the, uh, they've got a new chairman. Uh, they're going to employ a new CEO, and there's talk that there's, a, there's going to be a rebel... Uh, group trying to overthrow the board. So, I mean, a lot of things are changing at Cronulla, and um, I think once they get themselves back um, on the straight and narrow, I think Shane Flanagan will be coaching the Sharks, not the Dragons. Well, my response to all that is, if they don't get their act together pretty quickly, it wouldn't surprise me if he went there. And if I'm the Dragons, there's not many available on the market worthwhile. I'd definitely be having a plunge at Flanagan. So, moving away from that, two injuries over the weekend. Uh, Coote, and Galloway from the Panthers-Tigers game yesterday, both long-term injuries by the looks of things at the moment. We're hearing Galloway maybe only six weeks or a month, but uh, until things are absolutely confirmed, they possibly both out the year with a pectoral injury. Well, I love it how it's just straight away out for the season. Like 
um, just wait until they do scans and um, we'll go from there. It's you know you're speculating on something that's going to be scanned and we'll know 100 percent um, in the coming days. Yeah, well, definitely didn't look too good from the coop perspective in the dressing room yesterday. Galloway, they haven't let as much light out, but pectoral injuries, as we've seen in the past with Gaznia and a few other players, can be quite major. Uh, the only other ones from the weekend, Hodges, uh, he's possible to play this week, so obviously that was not uh, too much of a concern. They may rest him for a week. And Josh Maguire, he may be out for a few weeks with a calf strain, so not as bad as originally thought. I'd find it, I'd find it very strange if they risk Hodges with that hamstring. He's had problems with the hamstring in the past. Um, I can't see why they wouldn't just give him a week and uh, and make sure he's 100% before they bring him back. Well, that was more what I was thinking, especially for him and Maguire. Maguire's important to them long-term as well, and definitely Hodges is getting a bit older. He's had plenty of problems, so they're better off just giving him the rest. Yeah. Uh, we'll move straight into being joined by Nick Tedeschi from www.makingthenut.com. He's a freelance sports writer. And a very big welcome back to Nick Tedeschi, mate. How you been? Very well, very well, boys. How's everything going? Yeah, all good. Footy's back. Everyone's happy. Well, well, we're happier, I guess. Wives aren't happy, but what do you do? Yeah, everyone, everyone but Canberra fans, I think, mate. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not too happy with how things are going down there, that's for sure. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not going to get any better anytime soon, I wouldn't think. Mm, it doesn't look like it. Um, you know, just on that, what, do you, what have you been, been your impressions of the first couple of rounds, mate? Uh, well, first couple of rounds, I mean, well, the footy's been good. Uh, I think it's gone out of the first couple of weeks is uh, the quality of referee and how uh, how much how much of an issue it's been. Uh, the, the move has come five, six years after it was uh, first moved by good coaches, but having uh, on-field officials make calls and then you can include serious overturns worth to treat. There's been, I guess, calls that I'll argue with, but you can't argue with the system if, uh, it, it, at least we're not getting those ticky-tacky 50-50 calls, the ref makes a call. Unless there's evidence to overturn it, still good at the season. I think it's been wonderful over the first couple of weeks. And, uh, and, and that, and combined with uh, just how good the Melbourne Storm actually are, it's, uh, I mean, the first, uh, the main two things I guess I've taken over the first couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I'll just quickly jump in on the Melbourne thing. I'm very happy, being a Melbourne fan, uh, to see how we've gone the first two rounds. And it looks like they're going to try and do what they usually do and uh, get off to a quick start before the origin period. And as far as the refereeing is concerned, I'm uh, in massively agreement with you there too. I said to Brock, over the first two weeks, it's been great to sit there and not have to watch four minutes of replays and have you know a, a decision at the end that just leaves you bewildered and want to bash your head on the, uh, the coffee table in the lounge room like they're they're making a decision on their own. It's going up to the box, like you said, unless there's absolute massive grounds to turn it over, you know, they're, they're, they seem to be getting it right. So it's good to see them having to uh, make a decision this year. Absolutely. Look, it's, uh, it's finally being used from a purpose, a purpose as a, a place of review rather than a place of decision. So it's uh, it's about time and Daniel Emerson deserves credit. And you're on the storm, look, they're, 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 people always want to like the loss. And you know, the Cowboys were very impressive winners first up. They were heavily supported last week in betting markets to, to knock off the storm at home. The storm backing up from what, 37, 38 degree heat. They're going to beat the Cowboys by 20. Oh, that's as impressive a win as you'll ever see. So. And look, Melbourne can get beaten on their day, injuries can take their toll, but it won't be equal come, uh, come September. I don't see anyone beating at the moment. No, well, we're in massive agreements with you. I, I couldn't believe that um, a lot of the betting agencies were reporting that there was, you know, massive coin for the Cowboys. Um, I couldn't have enough money on the Storm until they give me a reason not to back them. Um, you've got to, you know, hold them in uh, full confidence heading into games, and especially as as you both just mentioned that. You know, this this is the time of the year where they do look to uh, you know accumulate points and get themselves up at the point end of the table. 
Um, they've proven that in the past. You know, they probably play their best footy now, and they and then they'll uh, peter off a little bit and they'll uh, warm up again in September. Yeah, absolutely. So the thing is that uh, the two big cowboy props uh, might be able to get on top of the storm. I guess their weaknesses up front, but didn't matter. The, the storm is too big. Like you say, you, you're absolutely crazy if you're a storm this time of year. Uh, until they uh, they lost two games at the beginning of last season without when they went out their big three on the field. So mm. as long as Cronk, Smith, and Plato are there, you just can get back in the storm. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely, and I think a lot of people that are back the Cowboys will be bashing their head on the table after they've seen Melbourne get out to a dollar ninety. And let me tell you, as a Melbourne fan, I don't really get the luxury to bet on them too often because they're usually way too short. And it's a waste of time. But uh, the weekend, there was some good odds there. Absolutely, very tasty. Now, what about any other teams, mate, that have impressed you over the first couple of rounds? Well, I said North Queensland were very good, uh, very good opening week. Uh, but was the first time playing poorly in Manly. Yeah. Uh, they went up to Brisbane and, uh, and caught Brisbane up there. I was pretty high on Brisbane. I'll probably lower them a, a notch or two over the first couple of weeks. They've, they've shown signs, but uh, nothing exceptional. But the win over Newcastle last night by, by the Eagles, I thought it was, it was mighty impressive. They they just they were all over Newcastle from the very beginning. And look, David Cherry Evans is it probably look like he's gone up a notch. What most says that he's back, he tapered off a bit last year. And to realize not having Tony Williams in the side is probably not a bad thing, to be honest. They, yeah. uh, they've got 13 people trying now, which is a, uh, probably an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you make a fair point, because uh, to be honest, watching the Bulldogs' first two games, I've been pretty disappointed with him. I thought he would have uh, stepped up big time in the absence of Cassiano and Pritchard, but he seems to be a bit of a passenger. Um, last week, Kane Lynette dominated him, and that, that really surprised me. Oh, look, uh, against the Eels, yeah, we were... Right in the second half, when all the pressure was on the Bulldogs, uh, rocking it out for our own, own, own quarter constantly, he'd be getting back on the fourth and fifth tackle. Mm-hmm. Then he'd throw a stupid pass. Like, he, 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 he might have the body and the frame for it to be a great rugby league player, but you also need the heart and the mind, and uh, he's seriously lucky in both of those. Mm-hmm. He's so inconsistent. I just I can't get a read on him. And I mean, his best football would have the dogs, um, you know, was probably up there with the storm, but. At the moment, he's just showing us nothing. So, um, yeah, it must be frustrating. Worse on the field, worse on field for Canary both weeks. Yeah, and then yeah. especially when you've let someone like David Stagg go, I mean, to push him out. And I think Stagg's been pretty good for Brisbane in the first two weeks. So, um, uh, yeah. We could use a David Stagg player right now. Yeah. Bit, uh, yeah, well, it seems like they've got... We've got a lot of very similar, similar, similar kind of forwards. Uh, we don't have too many middle defenders who are racking up 40, 45 tackles a game. There are a bit of creativity uh, as well. So it's a bit disappointing Stag was let go for uh, to accommodate someone like Williams who certainly didn't really pay in the pay. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of uh, young Josh Jackson and obviously Dale Finucane. And on the weekend, an- another bloke I played against in the 20s who really impressed me was Lachlan Burr. I watched him play for the New South Wales Cup team. I think if uh, things are going the way they're going at the moment, they need to start looking at maybe even getting him in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if, if Josh Jackson isn't uh, part of Laurie Daly's uh, uh, immediate plans for New South Wales this year, he needs to have a good hard look at himself. Josh Jackson... Even if someone fences on the two back rows, they should be building around for the future. Mm. And Jackson was superb on on, on Thursday night. He attacked. He was dangerous. He was always backing out in defence. He got to a man of work. This, this kid can play. He is a sensation waiting to happen. And uh, he reminds me very much of uh, a young Andrew Ryan. It would be good to see him uh, fast forward into some rep football. 
most definitely, I think he's uh, should be in the plans this year if he keeps up this form. And uh, moving on to another young backer, what did you think of the whole Papali situation, pulling a backflip on the Parramatta Eels? Oh, look, it's, uh, uh, I think it was like Stuart Pauly on, uh, on probably both Papali and Parramatta, to be honest. Uh, mm. uh, Papali was, was uh, uh, really committed to the Eels. And, and while I understand that uh, the rules of the NRL say that you're allowed until around 13 to... Uh, to renegotiate with your own club and your club can convince you to stay. You know, it does go against uh, a, a good set of ethics and I think it's very, very poor form from the party. But to be fair, Parramatta have been able to land absolutely nobody out of the last fair for you. Mm. And uh, I doubt I'm going to get caught in that, uh, in that mess at the air. They certainly have improved significantly. Like Ricky Stewart and things may well turn around, but you wouldn't want to be the first to jump over there and... Uh, uh, I doubt I doubt I doubt we'll see Corey Norman go down there either. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, for me, if I was a player and, and the Eels were chasing me, I'd, I'd want to see more than the first two rounds. I mean, you need to see them um, build on on what they've done in the first two weeks to uh, you know the middle to the back end of the season. I, I don't think they'll make the eight, but as you say, they they look to have improved. Um, they look fitter and faster. But for me, I, I always thought that the Eels would start off like they have. I thought, well, they've been training since October, so they, they, they've got every right to be the fitter and faster team, but I just think once they get a few injuries and uh, fatigue sets in, I can see them slipping down the bottom of the table. Oh, absolutely. I still think they'll be a bottom four star, but I want to be excited around that Warriors when the Warriors are clearly a very, very poor team again, but uh, the, the one thing that's impressed me, they've impressed everybody, the former Chris Sander, he uh, uh, is obviously... Yeah, a lot fitter than he's ever been, and he's playing superb football. Uh, you know, still question marks over Jared Hayne. He very much uh, stepped up when uh, when the, the Eels were ahead by a big margin against the Warriors. But as seems to be the case with Jared, uh, when going stuff, when missing on uh, when missing on Thursday against the Wolves and so on, so he's having his left his game. I think that's a huge issue for for uh, a paramount team that yeah. No, no we, we we agree with you there. The other one, obviously, is the Josh Dugan issue. I, I mean, the uh, the drinking on the roof and the non-attendance at the recovery session last Sunday after they got um, you know pretty comprehensively beaten by the Panthers. Um, obviously, the club stood him down, and then a, a day later decided to sack him. Um, I don't know what was more disturbing, the fact that he bummed training and was drinking on the roof or the fact that he was drinking vodka cruisers. <laughs> well, he must have been rugby league pretty upset that he was drinking vodka cruisers. <laughs> it's, uh, it's about time uh, uh, he manned up. Maybe there's uh, something different going on there in the nation's capital. No, look, it's... Um, uh, Dude's all apparent in the world. When he first first saw the scene, uh, I thought... Uh, it, it reminded me of a young Brett Hodgson, the way he, uh, he got about the field. He wasn't exceptionally speedy or athletic, but he could find a gap. Gee, he courageous. He always wanted to put his body down, but has, hasn't becoming a star going to his head. He, he, yeah, it takes, it, it, yeah, both of them made a full ride of pretty close themselves. You, you know what it's like, uh, uh, how, how difficult it must be to, uh, to drive the playing group almost wholly against you. You know what players uh, in Canberra are saying, we will, we will not re-sign with the club if you're doing the re-sign. Uh, thanks for watching to that point. Uh, the guy uh, clearly orchestrated his own tacking. It's incredibly disappointing for Canberra. I, I do feel sorry for the Raiders. I had uh, uh, the talent Todd Carney leave. He comes up with a medal. And, and yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if uh, 
Josh Dugan. I went on to have a stellar career, but Aubrey Smith is head right. Uh, and, I, well, and the big argument I guess around this has been whether the uh, the NRL ARLC should uh, step in and, and, and bar Dugan. Uh, Look, Dugan, while his attitude has been totally selfish, has been uh, uh, a poor reflection of himself. He didn't really break club rules, and I don't think the NRL's got any process. And if Josh Dugan flies with the Dragon this week, and Josh Dugan flies with the Dragon this week, and should be able to play, because I'll do the Titans, and I'll do the Titans. There should be no sanction on this, I'm afraid. So it's, it's, it's bad luck for the Raiders, but that's uh, just the way it goes, I think. Well, that's what I was about to say. On the flip side of it, um, you know, a lot of people are saying stand him down and deregister him and whatnot. I don't think uh, the severity is as bad as Carney's. Well, I'm not defending him, that's for sure, because he's certainly a repeat defender. But unfortunately for Canberra, it's probably going to be that situation. He loses out on a two-year, $650,000 deal. He's probably going to get, you know, still not bad money compared to your average Joe working a job. But you, you think it's probably going to be that situation again where he, he goes to the Dragons or the Titans, he probably wakes up a little bit to himself and he gets in that kind of form that sees him play rep football again and poor old Canberra left there sitting in the corner rocking in the fetal position again at another local junior that invested so much time in is uh, gone somewhere else and shattered his talent. Absolutely. Look, it's a lot of perspective, I mean, as a Titans fan, I, I don't want him. I mean, I'm not overly wrapped with William Zillman, but um, there's young Matt Russell that's playing in the 20s. Um, I just think, as you've said, in terms of the effect it's going to have on your, your culture and your club, he's probably not the sort of player that you'd, you'd want to be bringing to your club. Um, the other thing is, is, is I mean, did, did the NRL have a leg to stand on in terms of deregistering? I would have thought it was a restraint of trade um, in terms of preventing him from having employment. Um it's it's an interesting situation, and as you say, he hasn't broken the law. So I mean, I can't see them coming in and saying, you know, no St George or no Gold Coast, you can't sign him. I would imagine it would be a, uh, I'm a lawyer. I would imagine it would be a legal minefield if uh, yeah. if they start doing this. And it's not the role. I don't think fans want to see that. I think you know, I don't think fans have a problem stepping in if there's a, a Greg Bird like incident. Yeah. Even uh, yeah, even the Red Stewart one, I thought was uh, probably a bit of an overreaction from uh, the NRL to case had, uh, had gone through, but, you know, if there's no legal proceeding in place, then it's, yeah, it's a free ball. They've just, they've just sacked the player. And, and yeah, no one was arguing whether Steve Irwin could go to a different club when he got sacked at the same time took Carney did that yeah. a few years ago. So, look, it was a, a, a much worse player. It wouldn't be a, you know, all up in arms about, uh, you know, a lease man now getting fired or you know, whoever. So, you know, they shouldn't be complaining about Thomas Dugan. He, he's been sacked. If he finds another club, I'll be his luck. Good luck to the club who takes him because he's clearly going to take a lot of work with the club so far this. Yeah, well, we, I mean, I know me and Lewis, we're pretty big on Reese Robinson. So if you're a Canberra fan out there and you're disappointed, I, you know, I, I see it as a positive. Good on him. 
he wasn't playing up to the money that he was on. They can now go and spend that money, um, obviously, this off-season on someone who is going to give them a return for their dollar. Um, speaking of comebacks and um, return for the dollar, the Ben Barber comeback, do, when do you think he'll um, he'll be back? This Thursday or uh, for Good Friday? Oh, all we expect to be back this Thursday. It uh, come out on Monday and said that, that uh, he won't be on the flight. There's, there's always, uh, it's always known to be uh, <laughs> uh, completely uh, honest. But uh, uh, yes, uh, it would be a surprise if he was back by, by round three. I, I expect him to be ready for, for Good Friday and to play in front of a, a very big crowd. Yeah, well, you can't ever write off the mad scientist, Des, and flying under the radar. And uh, Ben, yeah, ben, ben Barber, off, you know. You can't write off Des. He'll, uh, <laughs> he'll be leaving before one over. Especially his, uh, his old folk, Craig Bellamy. I don't think he'll over on anyone more than uh, yeah, Craig Bellamy. Good. Probably the two best coaches in the game over the last five or six years. So it's... Uh, surprise me if he smuggled him in a Gatorade container or a full-size bag or something through customs and he turned up in Melbourne, but uh, I'm a little disappointed being a Melbourne fan, like you said, a Bulldogs fan, that we don't get to see James Graham, Sam Cassiano, Frank Pritchard and Ben Barber all back, as well as, you know, Melbourne shed a few players, but they've still got their big three. I was really looking forward to watching the grand final rematch, so it's uh, a bit unfortunate there's some injuries and it's been stripped down a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a uh, big Frankie P or, uh, or Sam Cassiano back this week. That's been the most of it, I suppose, to return to round five. But Frank reckons he's, uh, he's not too far away. And, and big fans have got some shins for So uh, they, could, uh, they could both be back this week. One last issue we want to touch on. Obviously, we're all sick of hearing about it. And uh, it's fallen out of the news a little bit. <laughs> but uh, the peptide situation, it's uh, moved on. Flanagan's been stood down. People are begging to get him back. We've had the players having secret lunches, talking about a strike, and obviously Flanagan's told them to keep on playing. That's not up to them. But where, where do you stand on all this right now? I'm I'm just disappointed, really, in the whole way it's been handled. I think you look at Essendon, we've completely forgotten about him because of the way that we've handled it as a code. We've uh, pretty much brought ourselves to our knees and put ourselves in front of Asada, whereas Essendon has just said, you know, kind of snuck out the back door and uh, stayed off the radar completely. Uh, look, at, uh, it really does show the difference between how rugby league and uh, Australian football are in this country. One's a, one's a very professional code who, uh, who takes care of business and the other is uh, the NRL. Um, <laughs> what, uh, uh, I'll tell you this, it's, uh, I think the, the biggest reflection is still anything. I'm worse than the code. It's very much that Cronulla has been run into the ground by a, a, a CEO for, uh, for three years that they uh, their football staff has been skeleton at uh, their board as, as like any kind of oversight. And that, yeah, regardless of what's going on or not, they, the Sharks made every wrong decision they could in this start investigation and they've, they've embarrassed the code and they've embarrassed the game. So, look, there's plenty of rumours going around about Manly, similar to the ones in the investigation and the Sharks. Everyone else has been kept well in check. Not to say that people have been doing anything or people being cleared, but yeah, well, I mean, we've sort of spoken about it on the on the podcast, touched on it the last couple of weeks, but I mean, for me, I sort of until something solid comes out and someone's charged and they've got solid evidence, I'm not, I'm a bit over talking about it. I'm more interested in the footy and 
um, you know, the the good level of, of footy that we've got going on at the moment. I mean, Origin's just over the horizon, so, um, you know, I'd rather talk about that until someone's charged or a club's found guilty. Um, I think you're spot on with Cronulla. The CEO, he had to he had to go for the way that he handled it, The you know, the sacking of the coaching staff, obviously. I, I know a couple of people who I've spoken to um, deep inside at Manly are, you know, they're sort of they're sort of saying, well, look, this blowtorch, this blowtorch is about to be put on them as well. So, um, yep. you know, it's, it is going to be a move. And, uh, and, and I don't know if we're going to laugh, but like you say, there's, there's been so many rumours going around. There was, yeah, there was the one about Steve Bennett a few weeks ago, or a few others, and you, yeah. know, you just don't know what's truth and what, what's back and what's fiction, I guess, in this whole thing. And to be honest, man, I'm yeah, sick of talking about it. When, when something happens, let me know. But uh, yeah. uh, at the moment, it's, you know, it's just a lot of innuendo, a lot of speculation. It's probably a poor thing over the competition for the entire season. I'm not sure this just gets sorted sooner rather than that. Yeah, most definitely. I think everyone would agree with you there. And uh, that's about all we have time for. But massive thank you to you, Nick. Thanks for joining us. And we'll definitely talk to you again sometime very soon. Pleasure, boys. Look forward to it. No worries. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. A big thank you to Nick Tedeschi for joining us. And if you're interested in uh, looking at some of Nick's stuff, get into his Twitter page, at Nick Tedeschi. Tedeschi is T E D. E-S-C-H-I, and also his website, as I said before, makingthenut.com. It's all you need to know about sport, life, and politics. So now we'll move into uh, some of our reviews of the weekend's action. For all the latest rugby league gear, heading to Leagues and Legends, now based at Shell Harbour, Mount Druitt Westfield, and Campbelltown Mall Store. Or check them out online at www.nrlstore.com.au. Fifth and last listeners, you can receive free delivery on any 2013 adult NRL jersey. Be quick, jersey selling fast. Remember, www.nrlstore.com.au. Leagues and legends. Jumping into our view of the weekend's action. Obviously, it kicked off Thursday night. The Bulldogs versus the Eels. A, a lot of anticipation for the Parramatta Eels, obviously, after a very impressive round one victory. But going down 20-16 to 16 in what was a hard-fought game against the Bulldogs. Yeah, it was a very weird game. Uh, 36 points scored in the first half, none scored in the second half. Good for punters like me who backed the uh, under 40 and a half. At halftime, I was ready to uh, throw my ticket in the bin. Um, I thought the Eels, uh, they fought hard, um, probably just lacked a little bit of attacking potency um, and a little bit of structure towards the end of the game. They had plenty of chances. They probably had enough ball to win three or four games. Um, but the Dogs, it was a gritty win. It's going to be an important two points for them, especially without their key players. Um, I was really impressed with Josh Reynolds, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson set up. Um, he scored the first, set up the second. Josh Reynolds scored the third, set up the fourth. So um, they were probably the difference on the night. The Eels, again, Sandow was impressive. That, and as I said, they fought hard, but um, probably just lacked that little bit of class at the end. And... Uh, when their key players needed to stand up and make a play for them, they uh, they couldn't do it in the final 20 minutes of that game. Yeah, well, on the subject of Jackson and Reynolds, in my eyes, both two contenders for the New South Wales Blues this year, I think Reynolds pretty much has to be penciled in at six. I don't think you can really argue with that fact. He's made to play origin football. Josh Jackson, young, yes, but uh, he's rolling with the best of them. He did it last year in a very short period of time. Played in the green final, and he stepped up big time this year. Um, I, I, You know, it wasn't too many others. It stood out for me as far as the Bulldogs are concerned. I thought those two really steered the ship home. Parramatta, I'm with you 100%. Lots of ball, not many points. Uh, where was Jared Hayne? You know, the week before, everyone's talking about the three tries. They 
forget to mention that Sandown and Rennie Matua set those up. Uh, Rennie Matua obviously went down with an ankle injury. Mm. Probably the biggest thing for me, uh, I was very happy to see young Kalepi Tanganoa make a debut at 19. Always good to see a young bloke. Yeah, he went out against uh, Grand Finals in the Bulldogs, and I thought he gave a pretty good account of himself in the 20, 30 minutes he played. Yeah, he did. He played well. Um, obviously, that's going to be the, the key for Stewart in the next probably you know, 12 to 18 months is getting these younger kids through to strengthen up their depth. Um, so if they do get injuries to some key players, they've got guys there that can fill the void. Um, but, I mean, things are on the up uh, from the Eels' perspective. They, uh, they've definitely improved on, uh, on the form that earned them the wooden spoon last year. They're much fitter, they're much faster. So, um, But for me, obviously, when they play a class side, and, and obviously the Dogs are a class side, gritty side, um, they're going to have to come up with a little bit more um, they're probably going to get through and beat sides like the Warriors like they did the week before, but it's just going to be when they come up against these top four, top eight teams, whether they've got the ability to break that sort of defence down in the uh, championship minutes, which were those final 20, and uh, they couldn't come up with the play. But, I mean, Stewart during the week obviously said that if um, if they competed with the Dogs, he'd be happy. So from Ricky Stewart's point of view, he should be happy. Yeah, almost definitely, and I think uh, that's the key for them, obviously, is building depth. Uh, they're under-20s, obviously, they had a boom first week. I know many people don't really care about that, but as far as if you looked into last year's results, they were poor across all three grades. There wasn't too much coming through. Uh, they had a very young under-20 side for a reason. They said they were going to try to have a bit of growth there by uh, blooding some 17, 18 year olds nice and early. There is a couple there that, not saying they're quite NRL ready physically like Tanganoa, but there's definitely some potential there, and that, that's pretty much what's going to go along with some signings in the next couple of years and rebuilding that club. But... Uh, yeah, just lacking the killer touch, didn't they? The Bulldogs are showing that even without four absolute superstars, they can get the job done, and they need to do that for the next few weeks while they slowly welcome back some of these guns. Yep, well, obviously now they go down to Melbourne, and that's going to be uh, they're going to have to improve um, vastly on that performance that we saw on Thursday night, this Thursday night, heading into the grand final rematch. Parramatta head to uh, Leichhardt Oval on Friday night, and, I mean, the form they've displayed in the first two weeks, and obviously uh, the Tigers had a good win yesterday. We're going to touch on that later, but... Um, the form that they've displayed in the first two weeks, you'd think that that's going to be a fairly tight game. So, um, again, it's another game that Parramatta fans you can expect to compete. Oh, in my eyes, I'm uh, going back Parramatta this week, I think. But moving on to the Friday night game, the Brisbane Broncos played the Dragons, uh, a fixture that went 22-6. The Dragons had all the ball in the first half through the absolute kitchen sink. I think we both referred to it. It looked like park football, to be honest. It was just disorganised, they kept running the exact same play, they hit Ben Cray a million times, they kept running out lines, there was nothing coming back in, there was nothing direct, they just kept drifting a little bit to the left, and uh, I just couldn't figure out, what's Jamie Soud's obsession every time they seem to get numbers on the side to reverse the play? He pulls the handbrake and throws the ball about the other side of the ruck when someone's not expecting it, it's just, I was I was dumbfounded, I was so confused watching the Dragons play. Yeah, I think he's going to fall into this space similar to what Jared Hayne and Chris Sandow found themselves in last year with uh, Stephen Kearney. I think Steve Price is a very structured coach. I think Jamie Soward is an unstructured player. Um, Bennett obviously had the ability to compensate for that in the terms of the game plans that he put forward while he was at the Dragons. He was able to get the best out of Jamie Soward. Um, it was touched on in commentary on Friday night by Peter Sterling, who who made that comment. He's a very off-the-cuff player, Jamie Soward. So, I mean, it just seems like a clash in styles. Um, I mean, the Dragons really only troubled the Broncos when they ran direct. And, and the one play that they ran direct, they hit that front runner, was Ben Cray, went straight through. They didn't go back to it at all um, for the rest of the night, which was, 
I mean, I'm not a Dragons fan, but I found it frustrating to watch. And as you said, they kept trying the same plays, same shapes, same moves. Um, I don't know whether to take out of it that the Broncos' defence was excellent or just the quality of the Dragons' attack wasn't that good. So, I mean, that's going to tell in the, in the next few weeks. But um, they go down to Canberra this weekend, the Dragons, and uh, that's now a must-win game for both those sides. But from a Brisbane perspective, they still... They lacked that killer punch. They, I thought when they scored, they scored fairly quickly in that first half. I thought, well, they might put a score on the Dragons here. And, and then they just made some dumb errors, dumb penalties, and, and just basically gifted the Dragons the ball for the next 25 minutes. And um, that took its toll early in the, first, uh, early in the second half when Brisbane, um, they looked out of juice, but they, they managed to come good in the last 20 and get the result. But it wasn't a high-quality game at all. And um, Brisbane will just be happy to get the two points and move on, I think. Yeah, well, I agree with that, and I, I do think that Brisbane, to me, is still not a top eight side of the way they're playing. I'm still very disappointed with Wallace and Prince. You know, you have two halves of that standard. No one still took control. I think the main influence again was Andrew McCulloch out of nine, and mm. you know he needs some support. And they've got Norman playing out of position. Yeah, Hodges gets injured and Maguire gets injured, and they're both high level players. Uh, I, I still don't think that's enough against a side like the Dragons, who are just absolutely hapless at the moment. Brisbane being spoken about as you know a big contender for this year. I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. No, I, t- I tend to agree. Um, yeah, I, it was a low standard game, and, and they're two teams I'd, I don't have in my eight. So um, nothing that I saw the other night is going to change that opinion. Uh, I thought for the Dragons on a brighter note, Trent Merrin was good. Um, again, he's had two very good weeks heading into the season. Um, I think he'll figure in the New South Wales Origin side. Um, obviously, the Broncos they lost Hodges. Um, it's also probably notable to mention that Hodges went off for 10 minutes during the game, so it made it even um, an even bigger feat that Brisbane managed to you know, sort of hang on and, and not concede points during that time. Uh, Josh McGuire also got injured, so there are some, some concerns coming out of that game, but um, I think Anthony Griffin will be happy with the effort, um, their defensive resolve, but obviously they've got a lot of areas they're going to need to improve um, in terms of being a, uh, being a threat in this competition moving forward. There's just so many guns in there, though. Younger players that we've talked about for a few years, and all of a sudden now, it's, it's I don't know, it's like the world has just landed on them. You've got mm. Glenn, Gillette, Parker's obviously getting a bit older, but he's a fantastic player. Friday's coming off for surgery. Reed's coming off for surgery. There's still quality there, and I know they've had some operations, but you don't just forget how to play football. You don't just lose that knack, and they still look unfit. I, I thought on Friday, again, they flattened out a few times in the game, and to me, it was just it was the same thing again. Without Hodges and without McCulloch, I, I didn't see them looking threatening at all. They were the only two that looked a bit lively at any point. Mm. Well, I mean, they now play the Roosters down here in Sydney this weekend, so uh, that'll be a good test for them. Um, but, yeah, again, we're just going to have to see how those combinations develop, whether um, Griffin stays patient with the halves combination. For me, it just it reeks as though Prince has to either go to seven or... Um, they move him on. He missed a lot of a lot of tackles again the other night. Corey Norman has to be the six. I thought he had some nice touches when he got the opportunity on the weekend. Um, and they've got to make a decision between you know either is it going to be Wallace or is it going to be Prince in the seven. Um, that's a decision for them to make. I'm, I'm you know not too keen really on either of them. I think they've both got positives and negatives, and um, that's going to be a decision probably um, who best complements Corey Norman. And, and I think. In my opinion, that that is Peter Wallace. I think he's got a better defensive game. He's probably got a uh, a better kicking game than Prince. So um, I sort of lean at the moment towards going with um, Wallace and uh, and Norman. But I think he's got him. 
he's got him round the wrong way. We said that in our preview of Brisbane before the season started, that I thought that Prince had to play seven because he's not going to hold up their defence, and he's not. Um, and I thought Wallace had to play six because he's going to run the ball. So, um, But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks with the Broncos. Yeah, well, plenty of names on paper, and they need to step up. Like I said, I still don't see them in the top eight, but for what's there, they should be doing better. The Dragons, I'm going to keep sounding like a broken record, and I don't really care if anyone gets sick of it. Brett Morris needs more ball. Jason Nightingale needs more ball. Gerald Beal can't ball play at fullback. He needs to be put in the centres or somebody else. I know people are saying they don't want Dugan at the Dragons, but at the moment, my God, they need someone else down there to help them out. They well, need I'd, uh, I'd move Brett Morris to fullback. I would. Yeah. He doesn't want it, though. That's the, the kind of thing that surprises me. Uh, I stick by what I say. It's those two. Well, it's, it's for the betterment of the team. So yeah, well, moving there. He no, to play Nightingale, Morris, Rain, Merrin going forward. That's what you've got to build on. So don't want to touch too more on them, but uh, both pretty disappointing so far. Yep. Uh, the first Saturday night game, obviously, Eden Park, the return for the Warriors there. Uh, the Roosters going over 16-14. Uh, ended up a pretty tight game, but pretty disappointing one again, I think. The Roosters went down by a try and then shot out with three in a row and then almost threw it up the duff again with uh, ill-discipline and errors. So pretty uh, disappointing fixture as well, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're a Roosters fan, you're happy that they won, obviously, and it is a game that they... Um, you know, he would have penciled it in as a win, especially after the way that the Warriors opened their season against Parramatta. I'm not going to take too much out of this, just the fact that the Roosters were lucky to win in the end. Um, they gave the Warriors enough opportunities to bite them in the backside at the uh, back end of that game. They did a mountain more defence than uh, than the Warriors. They made uh, they actually made 30 more tackles than the Warriors over the the, uh, the duration of that match. I thought Sonny Bill he improved. The Warriors, I just can't get a read on them. They do, they just they look very good at in patches, they look very poor in patches. Um, Sean Johnson is, you know, he's lack form since his uh, breakout year when they made the grand final. His uh, his kicking game's questionable. They're missing a nine. Um, that's really hurting them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's probably just one that the Roosters are happy they they got away with that. They now play Brisbane this week. The Warriors now go to Cronulla, uh, to yeah, Cronulla and uh, Shark Park and look to kick. Uh, kick their winning season off, but I can't see that happening. I think they'll be 0-3 at the end of this weekend. Yeah, well, the Warriors for me, uh, Lulawa as well, I know we gave him a rap defensively, but he needs to chip in a little bit more. I know he's not probably the most creative half in the world, but mm. Sean Johnson seems to just be carrying the burden at the moment of all the expectation. Well, they, they don't have a one that ball plays either. Well, so. I was about to say, the other one that you kind of left out there is Kevin Locke. Kevin Locke's not even close to the standard that he set for himself either. That mm. year they had the breakout. They need him chipping in a lot more. They obviously need to get a nine. That's their number one issue right now. Nathan Friend, he did sign it for a couple of years, but he is older. So for, for their situation, I'm going to chuck one out there. I know Robbie Farrell's on the market, and I'm not saying they will have the capability to get him over there, but if there's one thing they're definitely missing, it's a nine. Yeah, they are, definitely. Um, the sooner they can get Nathan Friend back on the field, the better it's going to be for their club. Uh, I thought their forward pack improved. They uh, really stepped up and... Um, laid a decent platform and, and took on the Roosters forwards. But in the end, the Roosters probably bombed um, at least two tries they bombed. The Warriors, well, I mean, Sean Johnson had a, a kick to draw the game up at the end of the game, and he, he couldn't even deliver on that. He, he fluffed that worse than the bloke that had the million-dollar kick. Um, so they just look a, a club without confidence at the moment. The Roosters look like a, a club that's building confidence. Uh, but the issue for me, again, with the Roosters was the, you know, even at the end of the game there, Mitchell Pearce gives away just a silly penalty, uh, gives the Warriors an opportunity to attack their line where they score and, and could have potentially equaled the game up. Um, you know, I backed the Roosters minus three and a half and I was licking my lips when they were uh, they shot out to that 12-point lead, but they then just 
you know, put the cue in the rack and um, went back to their bad old habits. So it's going to be a challenge for Trent Robinson moving forward just to get an 80-minute performance out of that Roosters side, um, and that's going to be the challenge for him moving uh, moving into the next few rounds. The Warriors need to show a little more steel. I think they need to get a, a, you know, a bit of two-tip play going on their forwards. They're very predictable, very one-out. Uh, Mateo needs to really pull his tail from out in between his legs. Wants to be an origin player. Every year tries to chuck himself up middle of the year. Well, guess what, buddy? It's time to start playing football. Mm. Uh, they do need a nine. They do need the fullback to chip in, and they need a bit more consistency just all around. Roosters, yeah, ill-discipline. Do they have a good side on paper, though? Yes. Uh, will they get better? Yes. Do you see enough on the weekend to make you think they're going to make the top eight at the moment? Probably not, but I, I still think there's a lot more positives there for the Roosters than there is for the Warriors. Well, I mean, so. you've got them you've got them in your eight. I have them just out of my eight. So I think they're going to be around that seven, eight, nine, ten bracket. Um, that's sort of where I see them falling. Yeah, well, I still liked two of us a Sheck. I liked Tupa on the weekend, you know. Well, I mean, that was the other issue. When, well, when is Robinson going to... Going to learn that one. I mean, Minicello probably, um, well, he left the ball for the last try. Is he on borrowed time or what? I just, I don't know. It seems like he's there through loyalty, not because he's the best player. Oh, he, he should be on a wing. I mean, the, the first try that he scored in the game was a, a spectacular try. It was a classic winger's try. Um, two of us, the had some really nice touches. The majority of the time, two of us, the has a carry. It's from dummy half on play one or two when the defensive line meters. is best prepared. And he still beats the first tackle every time. I just... Yeah, well, he always um, seems to get, him there for me. He seems to get between defenders, always gets on his stomach, always gets a quick play of the ball. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Dow still disappointing me. He was the international centre of the year a couple of years ago. I think he needs to come back. Jennings has been pretty good, I think, in his first two games. Mm. Uh, he's getting more ball. I think uh, um, that was never rocket science at Penrith. He didn't get enough ball. They're definitely feeding him. Yeah. Maloney was pretty solid again. Um, you know, it wasn't outstanding by any means, but you know, I, I still see plenty of good there. Sam Muller, outstanding in the front row on the weekend. He just kept carrying the ball religiously. He was there all the time. Mm. Their, their forward pack was uh, was definitely um, better than the Warriors forward pack, but um, I mean, where do you where do you rank that sort of a win against a side that's was has been fairly ordinary for the first two weeks? So, I mean, this week's game, I think, will pit them against someone who's in a similar situation. I mean, the Roosters and the Broncos, they sort of seem to be plodding along and having similar similar issues for me. So that'll be a good game this weekend. Yeah, well, I'm still expecting more of the Roosters, Frank Paul, Sonny Bill, all those blokes. I'm, I think they're going to explode at some point. The Warriors, unfortunately for you guys, I think they're going to continue to slide backwards until they get a nine in. But the second game on the Saturday night, the blockbuster of the weekend as it was toted to be, turned out to be a 32-10 to 10 drubbing. Uh, Melbourne still made more errors and gave away plenty of penalties again, but it just doesn't seem to be a problem for them, does it? They've put 32-10 to 10 on the Cowboys, who are... Supposed to be the side that was going to run over them with their forward pack. Yeah, well, I didn't see it. Um, I mean, the Melbourne Melbourne Storm have got too many guns. Watching the game, we even made the comment that probably first half Melbourne were well below their best, still managed to take a half-time lead. Um, second half, the Cowboys um, came hard at them at stages during the second half. They, um, you know, scored a try there where they they sort of got themselves back in the game. But every time Melbourne. Um, you know, looked to be threatened. They uh, kicked up a gear and they, they were just too good. Cooper Cronk was spectacular. Um, Cameron Smith did what he needed to do, as did Billy Slater. Um, their forward pack's really doing the job for them at the moment. Well, Jesse and, Bromwich, he's, yeah. the, he's the leader now. Everyone keeps saying that we lack in the forwards. Well, I think everyone's wrong as far as that's concerned. Uh, yeah. They buy Setu, they buy Moores. They've upsized and got a bit more youth on the bench, but we never really had a ringleader. Like, you know, I think Hoffman was the leader. 
on his return last year, but he's on an edge. But as far as the central leader, I think Jesse Bromwich has come of age. If he keeps playing the way he does, we're definitely going to have a, a much easier time in the centre this year, I think. Yeah, well, the other one, I mean, your preseason prediction, Tohu Harris, he's been good. Mm. So, I mean, there's plenty to like about the Melbourne Storm. Um, they've also got, uh, you know, guys like Junior Sauer who hasn't had a run yet. I'll be interested to see how he's going to run, uh, how he's going to go. I think he's going to get a run this weekend with Justin O'Neill out. So, um, Will Chambers, solid. O'Neill, obviously pretty injury-prone, so that will... <laughs> Matt Duffy was awful. Well, that was what I was just about to touch <laughs> on. After all the positives, I'm not going to just sit here and keep grooming them. Uh, Matt Duffy, CC Wonga, he's not, obviously he's not the flashiest player, but he's done the job for us. I was pretty disappointed that they could just drop him so quickly, being in form and not let Duffy go get comfortable in the New South Wales Cup for a few weeks. You know, he's had a shoulder reconstruction, hamstring injury in the first trial, then he had an ankle problem. They chucked him in. He bombed that try that was gifted to oh, him. You, yeah. Then you watch Ash Graham in the second half pretty much say, this is how it's done. Get low, dive, and you have no problems. Uh, drop some ball, and then all of a sudden the second half, he set two tries up on the leap. So I don't know why it took him 40 minutes to decide that he was playing rugby league again, but he's definitely got to have a better week this week. Otherwise, I'd be putting Wanga back in, putting him in New South Wales Cup until he has some confidence. Yeah, I found it strange as well. Bellamy's not usually one to rush players back, especially when um, you know it's this early in the season, and the upside to Duffy is, um, it, you know, it's a huge upside if uh, he comes back and plays the footy that he did before he got injured. Um, looking ahead, I mean, Melbourne now, they, they go to the grand final rematch. doesn't get any easier for them. Again, they uh, they would have got home uh, Sunday afternoon, had Monday off. Um, they'll probably train um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then uh, have, uh, obviously, play Thursday. So um, it's going to be another short week for Melbourne, and... They're probably lucky that the Bulldogs are, are going to bring down an, an understrength side to Melbourne. Um, for the Cowboys, they go to Newcastle next Monday night, so they get um, plenty of time to get over that. If I was a Cowboys fan, I would have been disappointed with that performance. They, uh, you know, they had plenty to play for. It was it was at home. It was conditions to suit. Melbourne were on the back of a short turnaround after having a, uh, you know, a game in, in atrocious weather the week before. Um, you know, plus on top of that, the the Thurston signing, everything pointed to a Cowboys victory, and uh, Melbourne just shut that out. I know everyone's getting excited about Melbourne now, but still long term, I do see the Cowboys being a threat. Uh, Thurston, obviously, I don't think he had the greatest night. Everyone was giving him pats on the back. I didn't think he had a great night. No. I thought you you know your regulars were the ones that dished up the good stuff. Ash Graham, uh, you know, solid as always. Thought the Ford pack was a little disappointing. You know, Tarmow and Scott were named to dominate this week. They didn't really get over Melbourne. Uh, Gavin Cooper, you know, your, your spade workers, Dallas Johnson. There wasn't too much there for them that was a real positive. I thought Moore, again, was pretty sharp at a dummy half. But obviously, when you're getting beaten by that much, you don't really get to show your wares. But probably the two standouts for me, like I said, Ash Graham, solid as always. And uh, the other one. Being Kane Lynette, who, once again, you know, two weeks in a row, I thought he's had pretty solid showings. He looked good in attack, pretty good in defence, not too much got around his edge. So uh, I think he keeps throwing himself up into that Blues arena. I know not many people are going to agree with me on that, but just keep your eyes on Kane Lynette. I think he's a pretty good option long term. Yeah, I agree. He uh, he was, again, good. Obviously, the size and defensive qualities he possesses are going to um, be something that Laurie Daly definitely has to look at. Yeah, well, don't jump off the Cowboys yet. Like I said, they're going to be a lot better for the run, and Melbourne are obviously getting their points accumulated now before the origin period. Out of the Cowboys, I mean, for me, Tarek Sims or Jason Talmalolo have to start. Mm. One of them has to start. Well, they need more impact in their back row. Yeah, their back row a little bit, it bores me a little bit. I mean, you know what you're going to get out of their front row. 
they need someone to spark them early in the game um, and give them that line break and that bit of defensive sting. It just looks to me like the Cowboys forward pack, they don't scare me. They're going to tackle you. They're always going to work hard. Um, they're all class. But, I mean, you, you want that bloke, that bit of a loose cannon who's going to get out of the line and, and whack you. And um, in, that intimidation factor, which I think, you know, the, the good size in the competition have. Well, I don't think Neil Henry's neglecting it. I think he's doing what he's done before. Sims is only fresh back, broken leg. Yeah. He, Glenn Hall, I don't, I'd be lucky to be on the bench as far as I'm concerned. He'll probably end up in a similar situation to last year. Sims will get healthy. Sims will come back. Uh, you know, Thurston loves going to him. He became one of his favourite toys. He'll have him, the two front rowers, Cooper, Lynette, Tate, Bowen. He's got plenty of weapons to play with. But yeah. Tamalolo's playing more minutes. That's scary because he's a monster. Sims will get that job back. Uh, they'll probably as a starter. Have, yeah, he'll yeah. be back in. Good. Hall, I think, will probably see himself out. You'll have someone like Bolton who'll probably end up back on the bench. He's too consistent yeah. not to be in there. So, like I said, if you're a Cowboys I mean, fan, it's, it's round two. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that gives you an, that gives you an indication in where in terms of where they are in in uh, relation to Melbourne, who are obviously the benchmark. And I mean, if it was any other team, Melbourne probably would have put fifty on them. Um, I, I mean, the Cowboys did challenge them for the majority of it, but the little lapses they had, Melbourne being the class side they are, punished them for it. Yeah, we're back in the years when it matters. So for now, that's it. Four games we've done. We'll come back after the break and do the other four games from the weekend. Having trouble keeping track of all the play movements and signings in the NRL? Want to know who your team has re-signed, who they gained, and who they've lost for the next season? Well, check out www.zerotackle.com for all the latest news and rumours on the NRL. Zerotackle.com. All right, jumping straight back into our review of the weekend's action, and on Sunday, the Titans. 36 to nil over the Raiders. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It just doesn't get any better for them, obviously. Josh Dugan sacked midweek. Blake Ferguson fined indefinitely, stood down and put in the New South Wales Cup where obviously he should kill it and he did over the weekend, but things just aren't looking to be getting any better for the Raiders, are they? No, not at all. And um, as a Titans fan, I mean, I didn't know really what to take out of this game, whether it was the fact that Canberra that bad or um, that we're of, uh, we're of a decent standard this year. You know, we're going to be a, maybe a top eight threat. But um, Canberra just turned over too much ball in the first half. Every time they, they sort of looked like they were going to put the Titans under any pressure, they'd make an error or they'd piggyback the Titans down the field. So for me, um, you know, I'm taking nothing out of that as a Titans fan. I'm just... Really disappointed in the way that Canberra are going, I guess. Um, you know, I guess their fans would be ten times more disappointed than what I am. Um, but it's just a strange situation, and it's really put Dave Ferner under the uh, under the burner now. That's for sure. Well, I was going to say, as much as I don't want to uh, bring it up about him, every year seemed to be under the pump and the first one to be corned to get sacked. It's been a couple of years now. It's been up and down. Dugan's gone. I still think they've got a great potential in that squad, but. There's obviously something that isn't right. Uh, I'm not saying that he, he's not a respected bloke. He was a fantastic player, and I'm sure he's a good coach. Otherwise, he wouldn't be the assistant to the Australian team. But I think something's got to give now. I think they're, they're due for a change. The players don't seem to be responding, even though they're the ones who want to do it out. Uh, they're before all these players they've unearthed. They still haven't kicked it up a gear. 
Shillington had one big year, got him the Kangaroos. He's obviously going to stay in the, the Queensland side. His form's dropped. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of cogs there. Leroy Lars, he's not doing it for me. They've got so many good players, but it just, just seems to be nothing going on. There's something needs to give. Yeah, well, I mean, as a Raiders fan, I, do you really... Do you, do they want Ferner there or do they not want Ferner there? If you're Dave Ferner, do you want to be there? Like, uh, well, if that was my, if that was me, I, he bleeds I'd, green. Yeah, I find it. Green. I'd really find it hard to coach that group of players at the moment because, I, I mean, obviously myself, I've, I went down and watched them play here at Penrith last week. Um, I took a close interest in obviously the Titans game this weekend, so I've watched them very closely the first two weeks, and they have lacked effort. They've lacked ball control. They've played like a New South Wales Cup side, and they just. It's a it's a lack of respect for their coach. Um, I don't know what's missing there, but it's definitely time for a change. Yeah, well, like I said the week before, and this week I've seen it again. Pretty much the only ones who seemed to have their playing boots on were you know Josh McCrone, but once again, when you're a half, you need your forwards to go forward and you need the ball. Sam Williams uh, struggling the first two weeks, but once again, forwards don't do the job and you don't have the ball. What are you supposed to do? Mm. And McCurick off the bench, the only other one I kind of look at and think they're, they're the only couple that I look at and see a bit of spark in their eyes that they want to play as far as the rest of them are concerned. Even Sean Fensom is absolutely tearing my heart out. I've given him so many raps and thought this may be the year that he finally gets his look into the Blues and even he's been ordinary. Yeah, it's it's a really difficult one to work out. Um, obviously, watch this space because there is going to be something, well, something's got to be done, something's got to happen at the, the Raiders um, sooner rather than later, especially if they can... Uh, if they can't improve their performances. I mean, it's a perfect weekend for them this weekend. They've got um, the Dragons coming down to Canberra, and they've obviously had that hoodoo over the Dragons. So um, that's a game that they're going to be expected to win. They lose this weekend. I'm going to, I'll am gonna, put it out there now. Dave Ferner doesn't have a job this time next week. Yeah, well, I think he's definitely on the chopping block. Uh, looking back... And, and that's not that's not me hating on Dave Ferner. Please don't take it that way. But um, I think Dave Ferner's probably got to be at the end of his tether with his side and... Um, it's going to be a real nasty thing, especially with his brother being the CEO. and um, It's a very murky situation, but um, something's got to be done at Canberra. It's another one like similar to Para a couple of years ago. It seems like the playing group controls that team. Um, it's about time that someone came in and overthrew it and took, took the uh, control of the place back and um, got the Raiders back onto the track that they should be on. They should be, with the roster they've got, as you've said, they should be uh, much further up the table and putting in much better performances than what they did on the weekend. I was expecting them to come out really fired up and give the Titans a very uh, very good run for their money, but they just they were never in the game. Never, ever. Yeah, well, 36-0, first half, 30-plot, zero from the, uh, the Raiders. The Titans, like I said, I'm not trying to take anything away from the performance, but they weren't playing against the first-grade side. They weren't playing against a side that was hungry at all, especially by round two standards at the start of the year. They're all fresh as daisies. Uh, I will give, I'm not going to knock it on the head though, Albert Kelly did play fairly well, found himself around a good support player, running the ball again, Aiden Caesar playing uh, well ahead of his years, Greg Bird uh, finally decided to stop being a halfback, set up a, a try, scored one himself, Matt Schrama, keen as mustard and even uh, Idris this week, you know, found himself uh, on the receiving end of uh, some good ball and just typical efforts from your players like Nate Miles, your Ashley Harrison's just grinding it out. Yeah, I... For the Titans, I'm, I was probably disappointed, more disappointed with the performance. Well, the second honest. half you would be, The second sure. half was disgraceful, and they just dropped right down to Canberra's level. Brad Takarangi dropped the ball over the line. They just, they looked disinterested, and, I mean, you watch Melbourne and they're the benchmark. If that was um, Melbourne playing the Raiders, that would have been 60-70 on the weekend, and 
until the Titans work that out, that they've got to put in 80-minute performances week in, week out, they're not going to be a top four, top eight side. So um, there's no argument they've got a great roster, but just their attention to detail and their concentration in games, they, they can go in and out of games um, you know, by the click of a finger. So it was frustrating as a Titans fan to watch the second half. First half was obviously good, but, I mean, how many games are you going to get in during the year where they're just going to give you the ball like the Raiders did? It's, I think it's a... Um, you know, it's obviously a great win, and um, but for me, I'm looking ahead to this this weekend against Manly. That'll really tell us where we're at. So they they win this weekend, and um, I think they'll uh, have a few teams sit up and take notice of the Titans. Yeah, well, the second half, like we said, only one try was added. Uh, not that the Titans made as many errors as the Raiders would have in the second half, but just more complete lack of energy. The last 20 minutes was like watching a park game, mm. where blokes that usually play 60 minutes had to play 80. That's pretty much the standard it looked at. Yeah. Uh, wasn't great footy. Lots of one-out stuff. No creativity. Complete lack of effort. Uh, if it was a side like Melbourne or the Cowboys or South, and the Titans came out and did that, uh, you know that second half is, is a lot different. And obviously, from Canberra's point of view, if, if you can't even come out for a second half and you're down thirty nil, uh, regardless of the situation, be it Dugan, be it Ferno, you're a football player. And I know, being a former player, and I'm sure yourself, and just about any football player, if you've got any pride. 30 nil by half time's unacceptable and it was a lack of respect for the club for the coach and for themselves well, and that's for their team say. more for yourself I don't know how I'd be looking at myself this week if I was them but yeah. don't want to touch any further than that game pretty poor standard in the second half first half 30 zip well I think yeah the, the Raiders must win this weekend against the Dragons down there and the Titans um, they've obviously yeah, well, got a really, real test yeah this week. Right. stand up this weekend and um and be counted. Well, the Sharks, like I said, I think the Sharks are still of a good standard regardless of what's going on. So we'll see a bit more against Manly. But moving on to the other Sunday fixture, the Tigers obviously versus the Panthers out there at Campbelltown, Battle of the West. Uh, the Panthers, bit clawless after they lost Lachlan Coote. Bench rotation got ruined. Kingston had to come out of nine, play a bit of 5'8", never played there. Seguiaro, people say he's an impact player, but I can tell you from playing him in the 20s, he is an 80-minute player. He did play fantastic, but... Just kind of messed up their rotation, and they ended up going down twenty-eight, eighteen in a bit of an error fest. Mm, this game was um, the soul of this game was ripped out when Lachlan Coote left the field. It just it left Penrith rudderless in terms of their attack. I know they managed to post uh, two tries after he went off the field, but um, you know you, you always sort of felt that the Tigers were going to come over the Panthers once that happened, and obviously the nine rotation got um, got messed up. So. Well, it does indicate um, one thing. They need a little more direction from Luke Walsh. That's what I saw. Yeah. He's playing seven. Coots the six. Coots more of the, the running option, not so much the ball playing and the organiser. So I think it's... Uh, it's a fair comment. Now or never. Luke, I'm not trying to rag on Luke Walsh. I know we gave him a fair bit in the off-season, but for the couple of seasons he's had yeah. and the side they've had previously and they had that year where they come second, pretty much seems that the only thing he really serves up bar a run now and then and he scores and usually gets man of the match is, uh, you know seven or eight week spells there where he just likes putting kicks in on the last. He puts chips or bombs up, but besides that, doesn't really challenge the line, doesn't really get things organised. Yeah, right. It's um, it's going to be a big test for him this weekend. I mean, they've got South down here at Penrith. For the Tigers, they were okay. I still wasn't yeah, overly impressed with them. Um, Robbie Farris said in the presser afterwards that, um, you know, Penrith obviously lost Coot. They then lost their hooker rotation, so they weren't getting carried away with the victory or... Um, the level that the Penrith side was uh, able to, you know, attain on the day. But, um, you know, bigger and better things ahead for the Tigers, you'd think. They now go to Leichhardt on Friday night and play the Eels, so that'll be a real test for them. Um, and obviously the Panthers, 
play the Rabbitohs here at here at Penrith. So this was just a game I thought that that injury really took the took the guts out of it. Obviously the other one, the other injury coming out of the game was Keith Galloway. Yeah, three to four months he's going to be out for. So, so same I, injury. I said it to you the other week that as far as I'm concerned, Woods Galloway are the only two front rowers they've got. Mm. Uh, big congratulations to a bloke that I met through a former Raiders teammate, Cameron Bruce, his old teammate, Ava Semifamanga. I can't really pronounce his last name. Sorry, Ava, but he'll be making his debut this weekend for the Tigers. He's a big front row, so yeah. best of luck to him. But... Well, they're going to need some of those 20s that won the comp last year to start pushing through now and really um, developing into first-grade players fairly quickly if they're going to make the eight. And what a shame for young Misesi, who was probably going to be one well, of the blokes who was going to be yeah. coming up to play front row, who is no longer with us, unfortunately. But yeah. What did you make of, um, make of Penrith's you know, efforts in this game once Coop went off. I thought Penrith was still good. I was going to give a rap again to Sikamanu, who, like I said, being a Melbourne fan, I thought he was a good player at Melbourne, but obviously we're more of a, a role side. You've got a role, that's your job, and I didn't really see him being a leader type of a player, but he's come to Penrith. He scored three times in two weeks, and he seems to be really embracing the fact that uh, he's one of the players who's been brought in to guide this team forward. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, the teams have been named today. And, um, Tom Humble at six, yeah. Tom Humble's been put at six, so that's probably... I like we didn't that. expect that. Um, I'm pretty keen on that. I think we both watched him in the New South Wales Cup Grand Final last year. Yeah, he played all right. He's a solid player, and I think uh, he'll contribute nicely. There. He's a kind of bloke who does like to take control, so hopefully that happens this weekend. Mm. Yeah, if, well, it's, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think I think they're going to they're gonna find it hard to beat South up here, regardless of the side they put on the park. I think most mm. teams that play South are going to find it hard, even uh, even on the back of the poor performance from them last night, even though they got the victory. Um, but, yeah, it's getting into that testing couple of weeks for the Panthers. They've got uh, South this Sunday and then the Titans the week after. So um, they're probably they're going to have to win one of those two games. and um, Big test this weekend. Yeah, well, Humble goes there. Uh, we spoke about it. A lot of people thought Austin was there. I told you he played centre on the weekend in the New South Wales Cup. So Yeah, I wouldn't uh, take too much out of that. But Being somebody um, I played at school with him, I, I do find him to be more of a ball runner. So I'm not really surprised, given his frame, that he's starting to probably turn into more of an edge-type player. He... He can ball play, but he's much more deadly running the ball. So I think if they're going to look for a halves option, I'm not surprised it's going to be Humble or Isaac John, who they did bring over. So look for them the next couple of weeks if the Humble situation doesn't work. The other one, obviously Jeremy Lattimore, he's going to be out this week. So young Matt Robinson, who had a great year last year, first year in NRL, coming over from the Warriors, he's back on the bench. So. Yeah, I was surprised he was he didn't start the year in first grade. I, I thought he had a brilliant uh, finish to the season last year, so he can be a really effective player for Penrith. Uh, what do you think of the Tigers' halves? Tigers' halves. In particular, I mean, Jacob Miller. Obviously, oh. he's the one with the uh, with the target on his head at the moment. Well, Jacob Miller was much better as far as I was concerned. Uh, he ran the ball a lot more, which is something he should be doing. He's a fairly big kid, but I still don't think either him or Marshall really took control. Mm-hmm. Farrow was the one trying to control the game, but they, they just don't look too crash hot to me, even against, you know, when, when Coot goes off, Penrith still tried. Their backside's off. There were some errors, and... The game did get a bit sloppy, but if someone loses a half, that's the time when the Tigers really should have stepped up and put them to the sword, but they didn't. So, mm. well, if I said to you, who were the two players that made the most line breaks for the Tigers? Who would you, who would you think off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, from what I remember of the game, well, I'm not 100 percent sure to be honest. Well, yeah, well, Corabidi's one, Corabidi's the other. So, I mean, Marshall seemed to get all the raps coming out of the game, but well, I was going to say Corabidi was sensational. He made uh, 223 running meters. Um, yeah, well, which Cor- is ridiculous. Corabidi would have been the first one I brought up. Woods wouldn't have been the second, but he did score those two tries, so that's yeah. not a surprise either. But 
Well, he came up with 150 running metres, so... They're in a similar situation to the Dragons. Not as bad, obviously, but I think they're, you know, they're a bit light on the forward pack. They're trying to grow. I don't know if they've got too much room. Hopefully this new cap opens up for them, but they need some forwards big time. They're lacking a bit of size. They're lacking some punch, so they're going to have to invest, I think, in yeah. back end of this year. Yeah. After they tie up Farrell, obviously. But I think moving on from that one, uh, you know, not a great game. I think still not going to write Penrith off. I think they gave a fantastic account of themselves. Yeah. I think the Tigers should have done a little bit more. But It's one of those games you just put the pen through and move on. Once again, early in the year, we'll see what we get from those two teams next week. But Eagles, 32 the Knights, nil. What a flip of results from last week. Yeah. We are all praising the Knights last week and how outstanding they were. And uh, look where they've ended up. No, yeah. well, I think we mentioned on the podcast last week that it would have been easy, easy to fall in love with the Knights, but they had all the ball. And it, was, it would have been easy to kick the Tigers. They had no ball. And the Tigers came out and won. Newcastle came out and got hammered. So, you know, they probably did the reverse. Um, it was self-inflicted last week, though, by the Tigers, surely. They it was, definitely. But, I mean, it, it just shows you that in a week you can flip your form. You know, Ooh. they held on to enough ball yesterday to win. Newcastle did everything possible to give Manly the ball in good positions. You've so. also got to take into account, though, I'm not going to make this the reason why, but Dane Gagai, outstanding last week, does his ankle early on. He's out indefinitely, so yeah. that's a really big blow for them. They're lacking a centre. They've got Anthony Quinn playing on one edge. Tahu's back in this week, but he's obviously ageing. He's not really, uh, you know... I'd still prefer Tahu than Quinn. I'd prefer Tahu and Gagai, but Gagai's a major cog, and he unleashed you know, so Uate we, last um, week, and Uate was terrible on the weekend, so... They're going to miss him. And then you have Neville Costigan come on. First run gets his head stomped on Tuvi style. Yeah. 97 grand final. And then he comes back on and gets hit again. Like, it was just friendly fire. They had a few players injured. Willie Mason, yeah. another one who was injured. So I'm not too sure how they're going to shape up this week. But Waddell's down for a couple of weeks. Badiris is hopefully on the comeback trail. They're going to be a bit light on. Well, they're lucky that they've got they've got until Monday to recover. They play the Cowboys. Um, and the Cowboys are going to be looking to bounce back, obviously, on the, on the, uh, on the back of that loss to Melbourne. Um, the only the only thing probably in Newcastle's favour is is it is up there, so um, that'll obviously bode well for them, especially on the back of the Monday night win up there last week. So, I mean, a difficult one, but for me, Manly, we've got to give a wrap to Manly. Um, we, we both sort of you know wanted to wait and see with them this year, and at this stage, um, it's only early in the season, but they're proving us wrong big time, making us eat some humble pie. But um, I've got no doubt that. With the side that they ran out on the weekend, and if they continue to keep that side fit, yeah, they're going to be in the eight. That's but, what we said, though. We didn't yeah. we didn't write off their best side. Their best side is definitely capable. Yeah. Add back in Glenn Stewart if he plays his best football, yeah. and they've got Jason King to come back. But look at the bench. The bench still isn't you know of a great first grade standard. And then look at what's behind them. Their New South Wales cup team got beat by forty on the weekend. Yeah, and well, they're, they're I mean, not traditionally strong in the under twenties. Bar that first year where they had Rhea Hargraves, you know, bloody Jamie Bura. Cherry Evans and Foran. So as far as what's sitting behind them, that's my concern. If a couple get injured, they could find themselves on the sword. But full strength, yeah. they've probably got the second best half combination to comp bar Melbourne. Yeah, and I think if you go back to round one, for the first half, the Brisbane forwards played all over the Sea Eagles and they led at half time. So that gives me a little bit of confidence in the Titans this week to go, um, you know, go close to knocking the Sea Eagles over. I think this will be a big test for that Manly forward pack, especially without Glenn Stewart. They're talking that um, Jason King may be back. Um, they're going to need him in, uh, if they're going to, you know, take on the Titans forward pack. Obviously, the most metres in the competition last year, and uh, they're right up there in terms of that this year. So I think the biggest um, difference. Yeah, yeah, the only thing for me is Manly's backline is is much better than Titans backline. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think it's just going to be whether Manly can lay the platform for their backs, 
and whether the Titans backs can execute when they have the field position. Yeah, well, the defensive style of the two forward packs are different as well, though. You guys are a little bit placid as far as defence is well, concerned. Well, I think our defence has really improved this year. I'm really Manly happy about are much defense, more but... aggressive, I think. But that, yeah. that'll be the big test. They're going to well, We're going to have to match that, for you're sure. We're going to have to bring the aggression. Yeah. But big rap to, obviously, almost every player in the Manly side this week. George Defour, I said last year, I thought he was an outstanding player. And continuing that form on, grabbed himself a hat-trick. Uh, congratulations to Tom Simons as well. Got uh, let out of the Roosters. Unfortunate, their first ever, probably junior, who was born, raised, and bred through their competition solely, got pushed out the door for the Anthony uh, Luke Do- O'Donnell, sorry, deal, and finds himself having a cracker on the weekend in his limited time. Yeah, he always tried hard for the Roosters. He's, he's not a bad. He was player. just injury prone, but yeah. um, you know, you look at their forward pack off the bench too. Besides him, I thought Richie Fayoso, really solid contribution. You know, what now killed her on the weekend. Foreigner Cherry Evans guided the ship again. Richie Foso, is there something about Richie Foso that he doesn't get along with players or he just likes to move house? I mean, or people. He's, he's a good player. Like he, he was really good in the grand final, in the preliminary final last year for Melbourne. He then moves to Manly. Um, it just seems like you can't sort of nail down a club and nail down a consistent spot in first grade. Well, you remember Kidwell did that with that until he got to Melbourne and yeah. then he finally settled, but I don't know, some people just seem to like the merry-go-round. He's yeah. one of those blokes who's been to probably six or seven clubs now. He likes so. in Australia. Kamali like move around too, so you know you get some that do get on the move, but all around, I don't think you can knock too much about Manly. They were ultimately aggressive. Yeah. They, they dished the Knights for 80 minutes, who obviously did have the injury concerns, but I'm not going to defend them on that matter. You know, Injuries are one thing, but you're playing first-grade football, you need to maintain some sort of standard. Yeah, well, Wayne Bennett said in the presser afterwards that you know he wasn't getting carried away last week when they won big, and he's not going to get carried away this week when they lost big. So, I mean, it's going to be another challenge for them this week uh, against the Cowboys. So we'll uh, wait and see on that one. I thought uh, Jamie Lyon was solid, but can I ask you this? Does it seem that they're not going to his edges much this year so far? I know it's only been two games, but I don't think he's sent anywhere near as much ball. Yeah. I think maybe because they're more conservative in their attack early in the season, obviously trying to play up the middle. They probably also haven't had to shift to his edge as much. They made a lot of metres up through the middle of the field of Newcastle the other night. The tries they were scoring were fairly simple. Um, but it's it's a fair question. I well, mean, I'm gonna it's go... going to be another wait and see. I mean, if he doesn't get the ball for the next um, two or three weeks, where we see similar stats to what he's had um, over the past two weeks... Um, it's going to be a legitimate question. Well, I think he's a fantastic weapon, and I don't know whether it's because of the I'm kind of putting it down to the halves at the moment. Foreign seems to be the dominant half. That left side's getting a great workout. Matoy's had two awesome games, and Tafua's racked up some tries. So I, I think it may be a little bit of that. You know, Foreign seems to be the dominant one at the moment. Mm. But I think Cherry Evans needs to. Uh, you know, he's played two good games, I think, but he needs to take a little bit more control and realise what he's got on that right hand side. He's got Jamie Lyon, possibly. You know one of the best centres in the game, and I think he needs a bit more ball. They've got two great centres. Yeah. Spread the love a little bit more, you know, give yourself a bit more variety. Yeah, that's fair enough. Fair call. 32 nil. I can't knock them. They did get the job done. Uh, no knocks on them. Solid football. Aggressive football. Good with the forwards. Good at the back line. Took yep. all their opportunities. Newcastle, uh, hopefully the injuries aren't too long-term. They're all seem to be a couple of weeks at the moment by a gay guy, which is a massive injury, I think. He was going to be uh, outstanding for them this yeah, year. Yeah, well, let's hope he can get back sooner rather than later, that's for sure. But I'm so moving. yeah, mainly go to uh, mainly go to the Gold Coast, and Newcastle go back home and, and face the Cowboys. Yeah, with two tough fixtures there, and moving on to the last game of the week, what started off uh, very promising in the first ten minutes, looking like Souths were going to open up a can of whoop ass, turned out to be fourteen twelve. Uh, they definitely got dragged in by the Sharks in this contest to play the Sharks style of football. Yeah, it was a frustrating game to watch. I thought this game, out of all the games that I've watched so far this season, was the most poorly refereed. 
They allowed both teams to lay in around the ruck, allowed both teams to be blatantly offside, just didn't control the game. It looked like it was going to spill over at a couple of uh, different occasions. Um, Just a really frustrating game to watch. I thought South were very poor, very, very, very poor. I mean, for the first 10 minutes, they obviously blew the Sharks off the park, posted two tries. Um, It was 14-6 at halftime with a late Adam Reynolds uh, penalty goal, and then it was only the one try to the Sharks in the second half. Um, and, and that was only through a, a Rabideau's interception where Bo Ryan went the, the length of the field. So it was just a poor standard of a game. Um, frustrating to watch, but, I mean, for the South, the good thing for them is they played poor and won. Yeah, well, that's the difference between the bottom sides and the top sides. Yeah. Uh, notables for them, I think Reynolds was outstanding as far as his first opening half. I don't really know what happened after that. Isaac Luke, pretty frustrating. A few stupid penalties and some errors. Reynolds kind of fell out of the picture a bit. John Sutton got man of the match. I didn't really see as much of him as I thought, but looking at the numbers afterwards, that they showed a bit of a different story, but mm. they almost gave that one away themselves. And I'm going to give the Sharks a wrap because they don't play pretty football. But Luke Lewis was really good, and unfortunately, I think if uh, you haven't heard already, two to three weeks he's going to be out, so he's back on the injury bandwagon. I uh, thought that they, you know, they got a little bit out of Carney. He looks like he's trying to get himself back in there. Still a bit out of the groove after Achilles tendon surgery, but I'm going to give him a wrap. You know, coming back from a pretty massive operation, he's been pretty busy the first two weeks, and uh, they they looked like they were playing touch at one point. We kept saying it while watching it. They they didn't want to die with the ball, and it was the third or the fourth tackle, and that was kind of frustrating. Well, I didn't understand why the only try they scored all night was from a little bit of direct play from their halves who attacked the Souths. Um, defenders in and around the ruck who seemed very widely spaced throughout the whole night. Um, Carney went straight and tipped on and they they scored fairly easily and then they didn't go back to doing that at all. The other try was obviously the interception. Um, their attack really worries me. I don't know whether they can be a, a top four side with the, the, you know, the attacking spark they've got at the moment. I, Jeff Robson's doing a good job but I mean Chad Townsend's killed it the first two weeks in the New South Wales Cup. I'd be looking to bring him in Maybe to help Carney in terms of their uh, offensive output because they're not they're not producing enough points and it's placing huge pressure on uh, on their back rowers who look like they're trying to play as halfbacks. I mean, you need Luke Lewis, you need Paul Gallon, um, you know, you need these other blokes on the edge, Hornington, running running their lines, not coming in and throwing the ball out their backside and and pushing the pass like they were last night. They they gifted South plenty of opportunities. It was just. Lucky South Sydney weren't on their game last night, or I could. I think it would have been probably a, at least a four-try gap. Yeah, well, I think South kind of did it to themselves. I'm, I'm not trying to say that well, the, did, the Sharks didn't play well. The definitely. Sharks brought them to where they needed to be, and that's why I still think, depending on what happens, obviously, this whole investigation, they're definitely booking themselves in the eight. They play that Sharks, kind of... Sharks, Yeah, they yeah. play that kind of football, well, but it just doesn't matter who they play. I, just don't, I don't like the look of them at the moment. I, they just... I and, still and, think... And MG said it in the uh, Matty John show afterwards that... Every time he watches them, he feels a little bit sick because he, you think, well, what's down the track? Well, for I said that, you know? but look, I still just look at them and there's there's enough there for me to say they're going to be in the eight, depending on what happens with that. But I'm going to throw it out there now. I think they're going to struggle to make the eight, the Sharks. Well, I really played, do. I, you know, I look at them um, and you compare other sides who are on the fringe of the eight, like in Manly, who we wouldn't have had in the eight, um, you know, even Parramatta. They seem to be at least up at up at the Sharks level. So I think if the Sharks get injuries, I mean now they've got Lewis out. If Carney can't find some offensive output, Gordon was good, but I'm I'm really worried about whether they're going to make the eight this year. The Sharks, and I'm sorry to Sharks fans, but I think this Asada situation is going to uh, 
going to have an effect. And I just don't like what I've seen the first two weeks of the competition. They they produced 12 points round one, which was enough to beat the Titans. They produced 12 points last night. That's not going to be enough points to, to beat the majority of the sides in the competition. Yeah, well, I still see enough as far as the forwards are concerned. Everyone said the same thing last year. They, they tend to grind you out. I think for their own sake, regardless of what happens with this Asada thing, there's a very obvious area that needs to be addressed. Bo Ryan can score on a wing, and Jonathan Wright showed last year he could finish on a wing with good centres, and they don't have good centres at the moment. Mm. They've invested so heavily in this forward pack, I just don't get it. And I think they've got a nine on the way, and hopefully, fingers crossed this week, we will see Michael Leisha. I'm really excited to watch him play, hopefully, now that Isaac DeGoyce went down with an injury. I wasn't too sure what the injury was or how long, but we may see Leisha this week. I think... He may be you know, a good long-term prospect, but they need to buy a centre. That's yeah. that's plain and simple. Ricky Latelli tried hard. I thought he was a lot better than Matthew Wright, who's a pretty basic type of player, but you need a gun centre. Well, they they, uh, they play uh, the Warriors this week at Shark Park, 2 o'clock, Sunday Arvo. They're going to get a dry track. Warriors haven't been that crash hot the first two weeks. Yeah, well, um, it's time you know, for them to come out and, and put some points on the Warriors and, and place them under some pressure because... Um, you know, they're not going to have a better day to do it. Well, if there's one team that doesn't like the grind at the moment, I think it's the, the Warriors. And I think yeah. the Sharks, they're going to do exactly what I said. They're that dirty kind of team. It just drags you through the dirt. And I definitely see them getting a win this week, that's for sure. But yeah. as far as South is concerned, they've got to put themselves back up on that pedestal this week like they mm. did the week before, Melbourne style. Well, if you're Penrith now, you're I'm feeling good about playing South this week on the back of that performance. I mean, obviously, they're going to back up from Monday night. Penrith have the extra day rest. South were fairly poor. Penrith obviously had the loss and the injury concern, but they're going to have time to rectify that that this week. So, I mean, if I said to you, you've got to play Penrith next week after you saw them play opening night, and then I said to you, you had to play them on the back of last night's performance, you'd, you'd definitely be feeling much better after what they produced last night. Well, if I'm south and I'm getting Burgess back, and they're a bit frustrated. He, yeah, week. he'll be back, won't he? So they, they, they look really rudderless without him last night. They, they lack that punch in the middle of the field. Well, I reckon they should put the dust up on Penrith, but don't expect Penrith to lay down. They've got that attitude and they're starting to build that culture where regardless of what the result is, they're going to give 110% for the 80 minutes. They mm. show that this week. So looking forward to watching that. But that wraps up all eight games for this weekend. So now it's time to move on to our weekly segment and be joined by Mr. Gossip. It's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. So we welcome back Mr. Gossip once again. Welcome back. G'day, lads. How are we? Good, buddy. How are you going? Yeah, very good. A couple of good games over the weekend, so... Yep, she's heating up. All's good. Yeah, enjoyed last night's game, Monday night's game. That was a beauty. Well, I had a multi-riding on South, so I sweated it out for 80 minutes, which um, wasn't real pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked like they wanted to lose that game. Oh, they were trying hard for me. Trying hard. <laughs> Alrighty, what's the, uh, what's the goss this week, mate? Well, I guess uh, the topic on everyone's lips is the Josh Dugan scenario. Now, mm. we all know that the Dragons and the Broncos are, uh, want him desperately. Now, if I was Dugan's manager, I would take the less money and go to the Broncos. Mm. Now, mainly because, I guess, the Broncos, uh, in my eyes, they've got a strong culture up there. They've, they've got a lot of old heads around the club but that can sort of pull him into line. Um, I'm a little concerned if, if, if he signs with the Dragons and he's a little bit closer to the city, they could play up a little bit. But I dare say he'll, he'll go with the money and he'll sign with the Dragons. 
Now, I've got a couple of emails today um, from people saying that they've spotted him down at Wollongong. In fact, I had one this morning, uh, an email saying that they spotted Dugan in a suit and tie at McDonald's at, um, at Wollongong. So I doubt he was there for a kid's party. So um, <laughs> Maybe he was the entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I think the discussions are well underway and uh, I, I expect him to sign. Yeah, well, uh, with the dragon. Well, I heard something ridiculous like they were offering the exact same amount that Canberra were after all the trouble to be chucking out six hundred and fifty thousand. Just seems like the most dead brain decision you could possibly make as a club that's uh, not exactly in tip top shape. And completely agree, Brisbane. They do have a lot of younger players, but they've also got you know a bit of discipline about them. Your Gillettes and your Glens, like they've all got their heads screwed on. So I think if his manager had any brains and wasn't thinking about the cash, he'd definitely be sent into Brisbane, surely. Exactly. If, if he was smart, he'd go to the Broncos. I'll look after him. It'll be a new atmosphere, uh, you know, new club, new state. That you know, the, the world's his oyster. But I think going to the Dragons—they're not the most stable club. They, you know, they want to get rid of their coach, Jamie Salds, on the nose. Um, so a lot of bad things will come out of the Dragons in the next couple of months. But um, you know what he's like. You, I, I dare say, he'll go with the cash, mm. and they might jump. They might uh, give him a few. Uh, like the cruiser to seal the deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was of the same opinion as Lewis. I mean, to push all your chips into the middle of the table for Josh Dugan, who Canberra have just punted, just seems ridiculous. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very crazy. And like I was just saying, the Dragons aren't the most stable at the moment. In fact, as I was just saying, the coach is on the outer. And I'm hearing uh, pretty good mail that Tony Smith, the brother of uh, good old Brian Smith, has been here, there and everywhere, is actually currently uh, in the UK Super League. He coaches Warrington and um, not doing too bad over there. He's going to sign a new deal with Warrington, but he's going to put in his clause that if an NRL job comes up, that you know he's allowed to go. Another Dragons are very, very keen to have him over. So if Steve Price and the Dragons don't start winning games, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tony Smith at the club. Okay, yeah, well, Tony Smith coached the uh, coach Leeds a couple of years ago, and he was quite successful. He's been very successful at Warrington. Um, he's also had the English job, I think, for a couple of years there. So, I mean, he's not short on experience. Um, but I mean, you wonder why, you know, they put it, all the work into uh, Steve Price, and they've they've given him the job, and then it just seems like a poison chalice as soon as he picked it up. I mean, last year he's been on the nose since he he came into the job. options go. Now, they've got a, a fantastic forward pack and all that um, against that game against um, uh, what do you call it on the weekend. So he just needs some firepower there in the halves, but you can only do what you can with the players yeah, you got. That, and that's my next point. I mean, what do they expect? Well, like, the roster they've got, are they expecting them to be in the eight? Are they expecting them to be top four? I mean, I don't think a change in coach is going to fix the problem with the Dragons. Now, heavy expectations from the Red V, mate, they always have. Um, so yeah, I, I, no, I don't see him seeing out the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but I just think it's crazy. I mean, um, I, I couldn't see any coach in the NRL, you know, whether it was Bennett or whether it was Bellamy or whoever, getting that side to make the eight. So uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, to Felitti Matteo, the Warriors. Now he wants out desperately. He is not happy at the Warriors. He was benched last week. And Penrith had a bit, a bit of a sniff at him, but now they've, they've, pulled, they've pulled their cards and uh, his manager's ringing every dog and Harry, um, but no one's binding. So it'll be interesting to see where Philly Mateo goes. 
he's a highest paid player at the Warriors on their books, so um, I guess they'd be desperate to release him if he wants out, but who, who's going to pay the money he'd be asking, you know? Yeah, Ivan just mentioned the Brock during the week, but, you know, start of the year, come out again, said he wants to be the X Factor for the Origin team. Well, I'm very sorry to say, but you actually have to play consistent and half-decent football to be thrown up in the rep arena, and even if he is unhappy, there's only one way to respond to wanting a new contract because he is off contract end of this year or wanting to get out, and that's by playing some good football. So not really surprised that no one's willing to bite on his price tag. Yeah, no, I was watching him closely against the Roosters. Now, he's a senior player at that club now, and every time the Roosters scored, I had a look at Fulity behind the posts, and he was just kicking the grass like an under-8s player, and he might as well just sat down and played with his cars. He just he didn't seem to give a crap. You know? <laughs> that's, that's not good for one of your senior players. So he's got massive attitude problems. Um, I guess, I mean, he's worked on a lot of Cleary before, and, and Cleary did a great job with him, but... I don't think Cleary's too keen to have him plus at the Panthers have got uh, you know, quite a few back rows and whatnot. So uh, I dare say the Panthers have shut the door. So where he'll end up, I don't know. Maybe, maybe back at Parramatta, but I don't think Ricky's still a, a big fan. Plus, Ricky's trying to pump all his energy into uh, Jared Hayden and trying to get him consistent. So he doesn't need two children in the team. Yeah, well, I think uh, from a Penrith perspective, the only way I think Ivan would bite now is if they got him on the cheap, but you highly doubt that Filetti, someone who's probably looking for, you know, not quite a Jonathan Thurston contract, but he's at that kind of point in time where you're looking for a big deal. Uh, you don't think he's going to buy it for too much less than what he thinks he's worth? No, that's it. He's going to have to drop his price dramatically. Mm. Um, also, to Jack Reed and um, at the Broncos, uh, Mr. Butterfingers, as a lot of the Broncos uh, fans call him these days, <laughs> he, he looks like he's about to sign a new deal with the club for 250 k a year. Not big coin for the guy. Um, he's another one that's a little bit inconsistent too. So, you know, um, flashes of brilliance a couple of years ago, but sort of on and off. But I hear he's going to re-sign. And also to the background, Matt Gillette, who I think is a terrific player, I think he'll um, he'll put pen to paper very shortly as well. I think they're just ironing out a few third-party deals and whatnot with that one, but I expect both of them to sign uh, very shortly. Yeah, Matty Gillette's definitely uh, come back to form this season. He's, he's kicked those blues he seemed to be having at the end of last year. Um, he's been tremendous in the first two weeks for the Broncos. A real shining light for them. Yeah, that, that's, that's a problem for me. I, these young kids who are coming off contract, they seem to lift, and then in, when they re-sign, they sort of fall back in the trap again of being a bit lazy. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a worry with these younger generation players coming through. Yeah. Well, Josh Dugan, I mean, he's, he's the number one candidate for that at the moment. So, got the big cash and um, he's falling asleep at the wheel. So. Yeah, exactly. Anything else, mate? That's all I've got for this week, lads. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and um, Corey Norman, you'll, you'll see him signing very shortly. I was surprised he didn't announce it today because when well, I'm hearing the deal done, so it'll be any day now. So, With Paramount? Uh, the fans get excited. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good buy for them. I mean, Sandow's playing really well this season, and uh, he looks like the uh, the link that they're missing there. I, I mean, if they can get Norman and, and keep uh, Sandow happy and and somehow get the best out of Jared Hayne on a week-to-week basis, they'll um, they'll definitely be a top eight side next year if um, if they can put that puzzle together. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, moving on. Obviously, we've got the the round for this week, so I'll run through our tips. Kicking off is the grand final rematch Thursday night at Amy Park between the Storm and the Dogs. Uh, I think this one pretty obvious. I know Melbourne have got a short turnaround, but the, the Bulldogs they reckon they're not going to play Barber. Even if they do, I still think missing Cassiano. 
Pritchard, uh, Graham, I still think they're a little bit light on. So Melbourne for me in this one. Yeah, Storm to prove a point. I think they'll uh, they'll put a few past the doggies on uh, Thursday night. Yeah, I'll go the Storm as well. I think Benny Barber flew down with him today, but yeah, I, I doubt he'll play. I know he wants it, but I, I doubt I doubt he'll play. Um, and geez, I, I really enjoyed watching the Storm last week against the Cowboys. Cooper Cronk was just sensational. Mm. Yeah, fantastic player. And a lot of people coming out saying about the. The, the Thurston deal and then how Cronk signed last year and if, if you had your choice of starting a club tomorrow, which one would you take? I know MG last night said Cooper Cronk on age. There's only a year between them, but for me, on consistency, I'd definitely be taking Cronk. Yeah, Cronk, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, moving on to the Friday, we have not the Broncos for once, which is amazing because wow. I'm getting sick of watching oh. them at Suncorp. <laughs> yeah, we get a beautiful Leichhardt, one of the classic suburban grounds to see the Tigers play the Parramatta Eels. Uh, this one for me is a bit of a sketchy one. The Tigers, not exactly outstanding. They lose Galloway, so they're a bit light on the front row, but Parramatta probably won't have Rennie Matua. So Ken Edwards makes a, a debut this week, third debutant for this year, but I'm probably going to stick with the Tigers, but not too much confidence with that one. Uh, I'm going to back the Eels, just because I, I like what I saw last week. Uh, I think they would have had plenty to work on at training. Um, a positive round one. Uh, they've got nothing to lose going to uh, Leichhardt on Friday night. I think the Tigers are going to be uh, have all the pressure heading into this game and they're going to be expected to win. Uh, I'll tip the Eels in a close one. Yeah, Tigers always hard to beat at Leichhardt, but uh, without Galloway, I think they're going to struggle. I'll tip the Eels. They weren't too bad against the Bulldogs. Just Jared Hayne had a little lap at the back. If he, if he wants to play, they'll win. Mm. Yeah, well, moving on to the Saturday games, we've obviously got the Titans versus the Eagles first up, Skilled Park. Uh, pretty big fixture, battle of the Ford Packs. The Titans have obviously got all the size. I think there's probably a little more aggro in the Eagles. Uh, just from the backline perspective, I think the Eagles will get the cash in this one, and the halves, I think they may pull down the pants of the young uh, coupling for the Titans this week. So, Eagles for me. I'll keep it short and sweet. Titans will shut a few people up this week, and they'll whack Manly. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said last week in the podcast that I'd like to see Caesar have a good game, and he was fantastic against the Raiders. So he, he's the key for the Titans, I think. But I think the Seagulls, um, I mean, they've got to lose Sarah Lane, but I'll, I'll stick with the Seagulls because they're safe a bit. Yep, second game we've got uh, the Roosters versus the Broncos at Allianz Stadium. Uh, for me, this one's a, a pretty good indication, this fixture. We've both seen them have scrappy two weeks, they've had a win each. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Roosters. Like I said, I think there's too much talent in that team for them not to explode at some point. Uh, Ill-discipline and penalties again last week really you know, ticked me off errors as well, but I think at some point it's got to stick, and I think they'll get one over the Broncos this week. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I think the Roosters will win. Um, I think this game will go to Golden Point. So I, I looked at the teams today and looked at the form and just you know the way that both teams have played the first couple of weeks, I think they might even uh, fool each other into a game of Golden Point and uh, Roosters to win in a tight one. Yeah, I'll be at that game actually sipping lattes on the sideline. But <laughs> I'll, um, I'll stick with the Broncos. I think, I think they'll be too good for the Roosters. Yeah, well, moving on to Sunday, Super Sunday, and what a Super Sunday it is. Two, three games, can't get any better than that. Kicking off with the Sharks and the Warriors, a bit of a toilet bowl game to be honest, but... I'm not going to have to say too much other than that the Sharks are going to strangle the Warriors to death. They're going to play their grinding kind of football. Warriors have just been tossing the rope in too easily for me, so I think they're going to get bashed. Yeah, the Sharks, they fought hard last night. They were scrappy. They obviously fought hard and won at home uh, last Sunday night. Uh, the Warriors, they've given me nothing to indicate that they're going to uh, turn up and play in this game, so the Sharks... 
Mate, I'm going to go to the Warriors. Uh, yes. They've got to win sooner or later. I think they'll do it against the Sharks. They, they can't keep winning with all the stuff that's going on at the club. Um, I'm also hearing that Luke Lewis could be out for a couple of weeks with an ankle injury he had on yeah. Monday night. So I'll, I'll go to the Warriors in an upset. Mm, Law of averages. <laughs> yeah, well, hefty replacement Warren Graham I think he should have been starting the last couple of weeks so hopefully he proves everyone wrong this week uh, moving on yeah. to Centibet Stadium in sunny old Penrith we've got the Panthers playing the Rabbits uh, a bit of a surprise today a lot of people obviously thought Austin would come in I said to Brock yesterday that he's been playing centre in the New South Wales Cup which uh, probably suits him a bit better being a ball runner but Tommy Humble comes in at 6 I think he's a good player uh, but I don't think that's going to be anywhere near enough with the Rabbits, who are going to have to bounce back. I'm sure Madge would have bit their heads off last night, and Burgess comes back, so that's a pretty easy one for me. Rabbits might give a bit of a touch-up. Yeah, I thought Penrith, if they before they sat down to uh, eat their ice cream and watch the game last night, they probably would have been uh, dreading playing South, but after watching South go around last night, uh, they have the extra day's rest. South have to come out here. Um, you know, it may be a hot day out here. I still think it's a bridge too far for Penrith. I, th- I think South will win, but um, I think it might be closer than people think. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll go to the Rabbitohs. Um, I was a little bit surprised as well that Cleary um, didn't pick Austin, but like you said, he was playing uh, in the centres on the weekend for the Wolves and scored scored three tries. But the player that was setting him up more likely than others was um, Isaac John. So yeah. I'd like to see him get a run soon as well. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Tommy Hummel, but. Hopefully he proves me wrong, but I think the Rabbitohs by a big score. Yeah, we had this conversation this afternoon. We thought Austin, but I said to Brock, playing with him at school, he was always a great ball runner. I'm really not surprised with the size and the frame of him that he's now going to be playing in the centres. It suits him to a tee running the ball. But, yeah, a bit surprised about Humble, and hopefully Isaac gets his run. But You know what? I think I think Cleary probably thought that you can't carry Humble and also Seguiaro on the bench. So I think that's probably part of the reasoning why he's moved Humble to six. Um, but, yeah, it does seem strange. I mean, it would be risky to carry two sort of utility players on the bench, so that may be his thinking behind it, but um, otherwise, yeah, it, it did shock me, that selection. And good news, too, for Rabbitohs, they get Burgess back. Oh, Burgess, Sammy. <laughs> well, I think that is that is, that is is the Channel 9 game, so I think you will get to hear Rabbits with a bit of Burgess. Uh, uh, you won't, you won't hear him one, on the hill. Yeah, we'll, there's yeah. only one more name I like... Uh, like Rab saying, and that's Yowie. Yowie, yeah. I used to like Carmichael Hunt. That was my favourite. You <laughs> 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 uh, did enjoy oh. that one. Well, moving on to the absolute toilet bowl of the round. I think we can spray paint this one. Uh, you can put as much glitter on as you want, but it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. And that's a, a dodgy night in Canberra with the Dragons. And uh, the hoodoo may stand, but I think with all the cruisers that are floating around and how they played last week... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's not going to get any better. I'd love to back the hoodoo, but I don't see it happening. I'm going uh, with the Dragons. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Raiders. I think uh, <laughs> the hoodoo, there's more to it than a hoodoo. Um, they'll win. The Dragons are awful. The Raiders will uh, score enough points to win this game. Yeah, the Raiders have got points in them. We just haven't seen it yet. Mm. And Sammy Williams needs to pull his finger out. Um, and who knows, the Raiders may re-sign Sammy Williams now that Dukin's out of the picture. Um, but I'll cut the Raiders. And the last game of the round that we have, Monday night, this one should be a cracker. Uh, I know that Newcastle are a little light on with a few injuries, but I still think it'll be a great game up there in Hunter Stadium against the Cowboys. For mine, Cowboys will bounce back. Uh, got a bit of a touch-up from Melbourne. Uh, obviously, all the positives during the re on first, and I think it was a bit too much of a party atmosphere. So uh, we'll see how that one plays out, but I definitely think the Cowboys will get the cash down there. And this is a very important game for both sides. I mean, the loser of this will go to one and uh, one and two, and... 
will sort of slip down the table a little bit. Um, so I think it's an important game for the Knights, especially being at home. But I'm going to stick with the Cowboys, especially after playing Melbourne last week. Usually teams that play those sides at the top of the table, you think they'd like to hold some of that form heading into their next game. So I'll tip the Cowboys based on that. But I think it'll be a tight game. Yeah, a little bit concerned for the Cowboys travelling away on a Monday night. The Knights have a good record at home, especially a couple of Mondays ago when they thrashed the Tigers. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a lot closer than people think. Um, I'll go to the Cowboys just because Jonathan Thurston's on absolute fire at the moment. I think he'll, he'll get the Cowboys home. Mm-hmm. Alrighty then, well that's all the news we have for this week and that's our tip, so let's see how we go. I got uh, 7 from 8 last week, which is a big improvement from 4 out of 8, so hopefully I'll stay yeah, on that. Right. Right. Don't forget, I got 7 out of 8, so don't take all the glory, champ. <laughs> <laughs> well, looks like we're on. I, think, uh, I don't think I got 7 out of 8, I'll give you that tip. I think I got 5, um, so... But I got a couple of multis up, so I don't care. Yeah, well... <laughs> any, any, uh, do you see any value in the uh, games this week, mate? Anyone you think's a, a decent bet, or...? Any, anyone wants to back the Warriors, feel free to give us a uh, flick us an email at the <laughs> fifth and last podcast. I'll be happy to take any bets. I'll, I'll offer I'll offer ten to one on the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what, I tell you who I'll ask for you. We're running a, a tipping comp on NRL Gossip. We've got six or seven hundred people in the tipping comp, yeah. and there's a young lady who's got two perfect rounds to start the season. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, I want these tips. If she's picking everything, I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, two perfect to start the season. Pretty good. The other one, mate, was it? Was there an offer for League and Legends uh, this week for the listeners? Yeah, yeah our sponsor, Leagues and Legends, have got a great sponsor going at the moment. All you have to do is go onto their Facebook page, so search League and Legends, like their page, and if you want a jersey, a 2013 jersey, um, they'll give it to you for 130 bucks. Um, usually 160M plus I'll throw in free shipping as well so get on the page and yeah order away you won't find any cheaper jerseys than 130 bucks that's cheap as chips yeah most definitely they're very expensive the old NRL jerseys so big thanks to Leagues and Legends and a big thanks to Mr Gossip for another week and we'll uh, catch you up with you next week thanks ladies I'll see you next week (laughs) (laughs) no worries chief have a good one Big thanks again to Mr. Gossip, and as we say every week, get onto his Facebook page, go up to the search bar, and type in NRL Gossip, and it'll pop up. And you can also catch up with him on Twitter at NRL Gossip. So now we move into the wrap up. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Fifth and Last NRL podcast. Big thanks, guys. So hit us up on the Hotmail, which is Fifth and Last Podcast at Hotmail.com. Also on Twitter, Fifth and Last, which is not the end. It's an N on its own. And also get us on Facebook. Head up to the search bar, Fifth and Last, and you'll find us on there. So massive thanks for this week. Keep tuning in. Keep sharing us. Get us on those two. And make sure you hit us up on iTunes and Podomatic for the podcast. Enjoy your football. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where? Is that it? Is that it? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 